Hello there, welcome to Let's Talk, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture. Uh, we're back with you again. We're going to be doing our short review of Season 3 of Glow on Netflix. Uh, I'm Stu and Rory. Are you okay, mate? I am, mate, yeah. I'm quite excited to when you announce that with our new name, to be honest. I'm getting quite excited. But it's yeah. Awesome, yeah, I might have to develop a new voice as well. Maybe you need like a game show host voice. I think you could pull it off actually, a game show host voice. Mm. I think I can, I can, I can. As long as you could wear like a sequin jacket, because otherwise I'd just look stupid. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, think I could pull sequin that off. Jacket and yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Um, interestingly enough, Glow is a is a show that. I don't know, it feels quite underwhelming this time around. And I know that's maybe a little bit harsh, but I think it's because it's it's fallen right in between the release of really big TV shows. Um, Mindhunter came out last week, Glow the week before, I think. Um, I haven't watched Mindhunter season two yet. No, me either. Too. Um, but I've we, just been we've finishing been finishing Orange is the New Black. You've been watching Orange is the New Black, which again dropped its final season two weeks ago. So Glow's kind of sandwiched right in the middle yeah. of, of that. And there's been some other big TV releases in recent weeks, as, as you know. Um, Peaky Blinders is out next week. And there's just various other stuff. It's it's very difficult to, to fit into the market when Netflix itself is releasing new shows every week. If and when they do the whole season dump. Yeah, exactly. And and obviously Glow is one of those things. I only picked it up last year, about a week before uh, season two came out. And so I blitzed it, I think first season in a day um, or two. And then I watched the second season in a day or two when it first came out. Was it you that recommended it to me? No, no, no. I swear you watched it before I did. I, I don't. I was thinking about it before. I was trying to think how... How I don't even know how I got into it. Maybe it was. It's only if I think you did. You know, it's only because it's only three seasons, so it's only three years old. Yeah, no, no, I know. I, but I only started watching it last year, just before season two came out. So I'm not, I'm not 100. Bloody hell! The first season was out in 2017. Yeah, well, it's one a year kind of gig, isn't it? You know, because it's a quite a short production. Um, but it's an interesting concept, and and I and I and I saw it. You know, um, I had a really interesting conversation, and I'm not going to go too off topic. Um, that Netflix has got a whole team of people that work on getting that one photo still for each of their user layout. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's such a hook for them. They've got to get that photo and that obviously that description, and when you hover over something. You know, it obviously starts playing or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the photo to hook you in is the key thing for them. And Glow never appealed to me that first season. I was like, what the hell is this thing? Do you know what I mean? I, and I love Alison Brie. I think she's amazing. But I, I honestly looked at her and went, I don't know what this show is. What, why would I watch this? It doesn't appeal to me at all. Because I'm not really into wrestling anymore since the age of about 13. 14, 15, whatever. Um, and also, I, I didn't really get the tone or what it was going for. And then I, I'm really happy when I when I, I, I went for it because I, it's such a bingeable show. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt a little bit like Russian Doll or one of those other Netflix shows that are like eight parts, ten parts, but like half an hour an episode. So you can just literally just, just 
completes it. Yeah, binge it. That's what Netflix produces, doesn't it? Binge-worthy kind yeah. of TV content. But this felt proper binge-worthy TV. Um, and because it's 80s and glitz and glamour and, and kind of comedic elements. But what really stuck out for me is that in between all the comedy was this kind of undercurrent of quite serious drama and quite melancholic drama and quite, you know, heart-wrenching at times because Alison Bree's character is it's gone through some shit, do you know what I mean? Like, she's a really troubled kind of character and, and really struggling with her career trying to become an actress. And obviously, it turns out all these, these, these wrestlers are just actresses trying to make it on something or anything. And, and the major story that connects it all together is that um, Ruth Allison Bree's character and uh, Debbie... Uh, Betty Gilpin's character are best friends growing up and for a long time and Ruth cheats on uh, cheats uh, with Debbie's husband essentially so the fallout is from that and it I thought it was a really interesting concept and that first season really blew me away to be honest yeah snap uh, the, th- the first season was brilliant the second was a bit of a drop stepping stone yeah, yeah probably a stepping stone to get to the third and the thing a lot of people don't understand is yes it's a dramatization but it is based on on real things the gorgeous ladies of wrestling was an actual syndicated wrestling thing that happened in the 80s and i don't think any of the characters in this are real i think they're they're all fictional characters that they've oh, created yeah, but they are it, they are very much fictional characters yeah but it, it, it's based on the idea that they started out as a bit of a skit show and then they did actually end up moving to vegas as as we've seen in season three and there's actually a yeah. documentary on netflix about the original gorgeous ladies of wrestling which are keep mean to watch to see where the similarities lie because i oh, i grew yeah. up watching I'm wrestling in the 80s that, I so I, I I loved all the proper cheesy WWF stuff. That Mine used to get. was probably early nineties onwards, so early to mid nineties. So it's when it probably trying to be. Well, that was the attitude of... era, but I got into it during yes. the golden era with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and Warrior. Oh, you want the, you want the, oh, the Warrior Ultimate Warrior. One of my greatest moments ever. They used to do the really good tours. And I actually stroked the British Bulldog's bulldog. And no, that is not a penis metaphor. <laughs> because his bulldog's name was Matilda. So I would be very confused if he named his junk Matilda. And I also uh, love the British Bulldog because I grew up in Scam and he was from Wigan. So he was on the telly, you know, wrestling do, Hulk Hogan and he was from you, down the motorway. the old, like, British guy who just about made it. Should I mean? Like, it, it was almost a bit like the one giant basketball player that eventually played like B B level NBA or do you know what I mean? It 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 was great that you had the odd British person that went and made it. It's like Peter um, Crouch, isn't it? The guy that should never be a footballer yet becomes a footballer and a cult hero. Yeah, I, I kinda love that about it. I mean there's some great there's some great wrestlers back in the day. Uh, but but female wrestling wasn't 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 ever taken seriously or wasn't it, it, it was more thing. i mean it, it's it's only really been taken serious most seriously in the last few years but this i, this I still really recommend draws. you watch that film 
sort of fighting with my family. I, I am going to. Page. It's, it's about You know page, what? I, I might actually watch it next week because I'm on my own for a couple of nights. You, you'll really enjoy it because it's very funny and it's it's very likeable. Um, Lena Headey and, uh, God, uh, not Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's mate, Nick Frost. Yeah, Nick Frost. Oh, I can't say. Oh, that's so shameful to say Simon Pegg's mate. But um, Nick Frost is a great actor in his own right. But those two as leads are brilliant. And I, I can't remember. It's someone Pugh, Florence Pugh, who's yeah. everywhere right now. And she's obviously in the Black Widow film that's cast next year, um, which is going to be an interesting take. Because she, she, I think she does a lot of the moves in that film. But she was Paige was that character that I think launched female wrestling to be more serious. Well, that is interesting. It, it had its moment in the 90s when it was the Divas era, when it was basically yeah. just TNA. Whereas she really, really is, is credited as being More one of the people. More wrestler, do you know what I mean? Actually, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that was great. And, and I think what this show does is, is, yes, it looks back at the 80s and a bit of the kind of playfulness of it all. But actually, as they improved, as season one went on, what was good about season two is they they become more prominent wrestlers do you know what i mean they're yeah. actually more technically good um and they do start they to doing. get into it it starts out as just a job doesn't it they they want to treat it as a tv oh, show but then a job yeah especially under um, stone, obviously yeah under junk chains guidance and then when they really get carmen and her brothers involved um they they do actually start to learn moves and they start really getting into the less away from the theatrical side of it and more into the the sports entertainment as it is, as it's yeah. now become known of they they did really start treating it like the serious sport that it is because people always go on about wrestling's fixed it's not fixed it's pre-planned but it's completely real you know it's not fake everything they yeah, do is real I, and, and that's something they've covered in season three with what happens to um to tammy where she yeah. completely blows her back out from doing so many lifts and drops and and she's known as being um the welfare older queen. you know the older wrestler as well do you know what i mean she's not necessarily as young as some of the other ones so yeah. it's like it it was really hard and what they they pitched to her is to become a referee and still have that kind of charisma but not get in the ring every night do you know what i mean so it was a really interesting kind of u-turn well she becomes um, a manager doesn't she yeah exactly sorry yeah manager exactly um and that's good because that was about. something that really came up in the 80s in wrestling was the yeah. valet and the valet became the manager where you had like Virgil with um, Million Dollar Man and Paul Bearer with The Undertaker and yeah. the, the managers became as much a part of the theatrics and the match because they were always throwing things in and pulling people while they were covering and putting feet on ropes and they create the hype outside the ring which keeps the whole thing going and it gets the crowd well, and what going wrestling and... became is is more showy in a lot of ways it became yeah. more about the you know it, and it, they said this you know in a lot of lot of things when i was growing up if, if you can't talk the talk no one gives a shit what you do in the ring i think for a period of time wrestling was maybe a bit more you did have some more technical wrestlers um which which were known for their being good at wrestling, do you know what I mean? That grew up d- doing that as a sport in the states, and then and then kind of made it into WWE, WWF, whatever. Um, but most of the time, it was about the line you can deliver. Do you know, it's your persona, it's the character you created. And I think what the show does exceptionally well is that it plays on those kind of characters, and it makes a lot of 
slightly on the nose um, borderline kind of racist connotations, which they obviously talk heavily about in season three. Um, yeah, when, when you've got um, judgment, junk chain, the welfare queen, fortune cookie, Beirut, fortune cookie is probably the yeah Beirut and fortune cookie. Um, I mean, you know who Beirut's got to be based on. It's got to be looking at people like the Iron Sheet. Yeah, because they had that yeah. huge thing about the Iron Sheik versus Hulk Hogan, and it was America versus the the Gulf states, and yeah, it, it's. But they they do lean into it, don't they? Because at the end of the day, that was the time. And Junk Chain, what was the? There was a male wrestler called Junkyard Dog, and that was his yeah. whole thing. He was meant to be a bit, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks, and he he used to batter people, and he had a, a chain around him, and he was. I saw they did some of that stuff with Booker T as well, to be honest, and a couple of the other wrestlers. Yeah. Just kind of, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's stereotyping to a certain degree. Do you know what I mean? And they, they've done it for years in wrestling. It's just what they did. Do you know what I mean? It was just what they've always done. Um, I think there's a few characters that, that stand out in terms of, of actors. And I think what we said about the way these people were actresses, trying to make a living i think a lot of this said because we same can be said for some of the actresses that have come into this because a lot of them have had kind of mixed careers is is fair to say um you know alan wong who plays jenny uh fortune cookie fortune cookie or knives chow as we know knives chow yeah i don't know is anything other than knives chow to be honest but you know you don't She's not done a lot of things, you know, and I, again, with Chris Lowell, who plays Bash, and I think he's excellent as Bash, I must admit, and I think he's probably the one of the characters that really improved as this season kind of went on. Kate Nash, who's quite famously... That uh, that one British threw pop. me. The first time yeah. I saw her and I was going, no, no, it's not. And I actually had to go <laughs> and INDB. I was like, Why? I know. It, well, it, it's really interesting, actually. I read a really good article about her, an interview that was really interesting because she'd been basically screwed over by a label and lots of shit went wrong. And she basically stood up for herself, started making independent music. Um, and someone spotted her and gave her a chance to audition. And, and this came off. And she's great in this. Do you know what I mean? She really is great in this. Um, and it kind of is personified a lot a lot by Alison Bray, to be honest, because... Alison Bree's done a lot of great things over the years. She will always be Annie for me. Always yeah, be I knew you'd say that. And she's a great voice artist. She's she in the Lego movie and does lots of great stuff. But she's always the kind of secondary character. Do you know what I mean? I think she's always known to be never going to be the lead because... And they play on that a little bit in this. Do you know what I mean? She's not as voluptuous as Betty Gilpin. And she's not as... I don't know, as as charismatic or she's not as, as all American. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. she's not what is personified. And I think a lot of what the show does is is point at all those kind of traits in Hollywood anyway, even modern traits. But she's probably one of the most charismatic actresses around. And and she seems to have carved a little bit of a career, and I think she will go on to carve a career, um in in more kind of in, in TV shows like this, um, I can't remember the lady from Russian Doll who's in Orange is a New Black as well. Oh, the one that plays Nikki. Yes. Uh, no idea. It's completely gone. Yeah, but she has got a similar kind of trajectory. Do you know what I mean? Where she's kind of 
a known character actor and does various bits and pieces and and is really charismatic, but has found her right voice. Do you know what I mean? And I think Netflix has done a great thing where they've they've cast the right people. Um, Alison Brie is the star of this by especially the first two seasons, I'd say. Um, her relationship with Mark Maron, Mark Maron's Sam is probably the thing that underpins the show the best. Um, Mark Maron's interesting. He's quite a well-known podcaster, kind of professional moaner is, is what he's <laughs> kind of known to be. To be gonna mean, he's quite raw. I think we'd get on guy. well with him then. Yeah, I think we would. And he's a really interesting guy. But I think he, he for a lot of this, is, is one of the better written characters and probably has has a really interesting arc because of his relationship with his daughter. Um, and yeah, I thought he was, again, in this third season, there's quite a few revelations. There's quite a lot of bold moments. And the fact that it's not been renewed for season four does make you think what's going to come next for some of these characters and are we ever going to see them again, to be honest. Them finishing on this season wouldn't be the worst thing because it, it's at a point where you can sort of... It, it leaves a little bit to the imagination, doesn't it? It leaves some things dangling. But if, say, they'd not got season three, that would have been a real pain because the last thing you've yeah. seen is them getting on that bus to come to Vegas and you're thinking, well, what the hell happens now? And a lot of these people do seem to have had a a bit of an ending. You know, there's been... The, the major thing was so, obviously So the him. show left it in the sense that... So you had Betty Gilpin's character has become a producer... She was extremely torn with having a young child left in LA while she was in Vegas all the time. And she was just juggling her life and relationship. And what the way this season played out is that it was like a full year. They got three months in Vegas as a, as a show and then it got extended to a full year. Um, and she started to juggle her life, bring her son to Vegas. And, and, and it's really, also dealing with sexism at the time, isn't it? Yeah. She, she gets sick of the fact that they only see her as being there in name only. And yeah. so she starts, I like the way it happens towards the end of the season. She's basically treated as though she's invisible. So she uses her powers for evil and she says, right, well, if you're not going to you know, acknowledge me, I'm just going to sit here and take note of everything that anyone does and I'm going to yeah. use it to screw you all over. Well, essentially, so she, she starts dating a guy, Tex, Tex. Um, for about six months. Uh, older guy, they have this relationship and it kind of works, but he then drops a few kind of sexist lines along the, the lines of, you know, you're there to, you know, help these negotiations because you're, you know, the way you look, I think, is what he's... he's Basically, you, you make these meetings more palatable because you're yeah. fit. Yeah. And, and he sort of thinks that he actually wants her input and he enjoys her company. And, and when she soon discovers that, she decides to under, you know swoop in and, and get this deal done with Bash, who inherited 40 million as soon as he got married. Um, Jesus Christ, that guy with 40 million pounds, you wouldn't trust him with four pounds. Um, he's obviously very mixed up with his sexuality and what he wants in life, but she gets, she sobers him up to the point of they agree a deal for the studio. She's going to be the, the president of the studio. Um, and when they're all going off for Christmas, she's there trying to convince them all look, this is going to come and this is all going to be great and I can't tell you all about it yet. And and where it's left is um, the character who's probably the only 
viable wrestler in the show. Carmen, she she's actually Carmen. my favourite. I think she's brilliant. I think she is brilliant. I think they found a real kind of niche to make her work. She is the best wrestler in there. And the scene, which I think the whole whole episode was the show ceiling scene, which was the last episode, I think, isn't it, where they do it, um, uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, uh, yeah. And she plays the Undertaker essentially, you know, basically, yeah, the Grim Reaper, but you know, in reality, but the, the Undertaker kind of role of the of, of the wrestler, and it's an incredible sequence between her and Zoya, um, who, <laughs> all right, it's schlocky and it's hammy and whatever else, but that's but the whole hilarious. point, isn't it? it it's, it's hilarious. It's, it, they've managed to combine the TV elements that made them popular with the camp over-the-top elements that people want from a Vegas show, even though they're not on the strip. People go to Vegas to be entertained, and people yeah. wouldn't be going if it was a real, proper wrestling show. So you've got Scrooge oh, God, fighting no. with The Undertaker. and Yeah, you all sorts of shit going on in that. But, I mean, you know, and they've got these the biddies, and they're playing the <laughs> The biddies. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you've got these brilliant characters. The biddies is but... basically Marley and Marley, isn't it? All they yeah. do is just cracking jokes all the time. It's, it's just... Honestly, they've crafted some really good characters (laughs) and there's some really gritty, good humour in there. A lot of this little bit does remind me of Orange is the New Black because you've got a lot of openness about sexualities, about relationships, about the issues faced, do you know what I mean, in it. And it's quite bold and brave in what it's it's written. Um, I kind of love that about it. It's one of those shows that I was a little bit underwhelmed by season two, like you said. And season three had its ups and downs a little bit because, like you said, it felt like it was coming to an end. Like they are running a little bit low on ideas and where to go with it because they did less of Alison Brie. <laughs> I think once you do less of Alison Brie, you're taking away. She, they didn't really know what to do with their character, it felt like, in this season. Do you know what I mean? I think in season two, they built her up and she's the one that was producing and making this show really successful making it interesting and getting it hooked and getting this this thing to go to Vegas. But that's not what she wants in her life, do you know what nah. I mean? And I, I think the way She still wants it, to be a real actress, doesn't she? Or or something more. Do you know I think she just wants more from her life where she's she's not been given the role. And I think her the big fallout with her and Mark Maron's character where they basically said they love each other is that he goes he's he's a famous director, but he's washed up obviously. Um, but he's directing his daughter's movie that she's written, um, and they they have a lot of on-off relationship, and and obviously she still has a boyfriend throughout that's going nowhere. Um, but it's it's left in a way that she was auditioning for a film. He was obviously happy to give the role, but the daughter said, "Look, it's not right. You're thinking with your heart rather than your head." You know, and he's got yeah. very bad news. And that that breaks her a little bit because she every time she feels like she has an opportunity, it's taken away from her. Um, and it's sad in a lot of ways, but actually she found a lot of strength and a lot of kind of courage from all that. But it's a really... And that's what I loved about the show. I think she was great. I think her development, her and, and Betty Gilpin work really well together. But her kind of finally not forgiving herself for what she did, but you know what I mean? A lot of it is guilt ridden from what she, you know, cheated on, on her best friend, you know, with her best friend's husband. And and that's what the show leaned on for so long. And she finally kind of stood up for herself. And that was, and they, that was they become the cornerstone, don't they? Of the, yeah. Uh, of, of the whole production, because 
uh, Debbie is the star and she's the, the producer. It's all about the Soviet war stuff, a little bit like we've had in Stranger Things season three. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's all the Soviet, you know, versus But then the Ruth US. is doing the performance reviews and she's she's basically become Debbie's right-hand right hand yeah. girl, woman, whatever. Well, she's the, really the producer of the show, do you know what I mean? Like, Pretty she much, does yeah. all the things that go on. But Ru- Ruth's got that endearing quality. She's one of those people that life just never goes right for her. She's always yeah. being knocked down, but this is one of those times when it wasn't her own fault. She hasn't sabotaged her own career. She she went along no. to the audition. She did the best thing she could, but it still doesn't go right for her. And yeah, it would have been easier for her to just go, yeah, you know what? Okay, I'll I'll just be a producer on this new network and I'll I'll just do it. And it, it's that's really endearing for me that even though life keeps just kicking her and kicking her, she's yeah. not willing to give up on it anymore. And I think it's as you said, she's finally forgiven herself and said, you know, what happened has happened. We've worked through it. I cannot let myself be defined by that anymore. No. The one that exactly. really got me was I was really disappointed to see Carmen leaving because she was probably the single biggest reason because you had cherry was the one that got them physically in shape but it was yeah. carmen that turned them from a group of women into a group of wrestlers her brother in this is an actual wrestler isn't he one of them is um, i know yeah. that chavo guerrero played one yeah, but i don't I, know I who know the other fella is sent um a, a trained them in the actual show do you know what i mean to wrestle on off off screen so it was quite an interesting thing to give them a part i think that yeah. worked um, and he did have a couple of lovely moments where, you know, she, she, he says to her that you'll, you'll genuinely come on the road with me. You're, you're good enough. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like you've improved. You're an incredible wrestler. You know, you need to be doing it properly, not like this. And that's, and, and that's been happens. her whole, her whole arc. Is she yeah. was always, she always wanted to be in the family well, business, which is exactly. wrestling. Yeah. And none of the others wanted to, they just wanted to play a part. But I think, what we say about like the, the parts they played, I, I did love the switch when they all played different characters. Oh, some of those yeah. were brilliant. Oh, but then <laughs> you've got Jackie Tone, uh, Jackie Tone, sorry. Um, oh, what's her bloody name? Melrose. Right. Melrose playing Fortune Cookie. Oh, oh god. my god. Oh my god. It le- and that obviously we'll talk about the Nevada section, which was probably the standout of the whole. Sure. Oh, but, um, God, just thinking about it makes oh, me skin God. crawl. When you, oh, so me, me so sorry. I'm gonna, f- oh. I'm gonna fly you like lice. It was the worst thing, oh. and I mean the other ones. I genuinely think they wore the same outfits because Betty Gilpin's obviously much more substantial in terms of size um, and whatnot than um, than Alison Brie. <laughs> she's probably a foot taller than her, but she's wearing this the tiny. Zoya outfit and <laughs> it was riding up like anything. <laughs> the best one is the small. way everyone wants to play the biddies. They started off as like the booby prize, but then everyone wants to yeah. be the biddies because they get they have the most fun. They yeah, just get exactly. to take the piss out of everyone in the crowd and themselves. Did Sheila Sheila decided to play Liza Minnelli. <laughs> yeah, Sheila. <laughs> um, and she's I think she was a really interesting character in this actually ranking. Um, I'm not sure what she's done previously. Um, but she's interesting. Yeah, she really is. Because again, she had a decent arc, and 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 then what they they did so well is they gave most of the characters enough to do. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't really just to focus on one of them. Apparently, she was. She played Queen Victoria in The Greatest Showman. 
knows if I can remember that <laughs> film. Like, Grace watches it all the time, but I can't remember it. Um, but it was just the whole, and then you had Alison Brie doing the All-American Girl, you know, um, like, it, it just worked really well. And what she can do so well is is, is that she can change her persona within a second. Um, I doubt you've ever seen a film called um, The Five-Year Engagement. No. Which is Jason Siegel film. She, again, she... Um, marries Chris Pratt in the film um, which was fat Chris Pratt days which is always fun and they they together are brilliant I think it's about an hour too long it's like one of those classic kind of American comedies that just keeps going on too long but I think you'd quite like it um, but her and, and um, whoever I just said Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt together are just genius man and they just play off each other so well um, and the sequence where she's she's around her children and having a really serious conversation, and she has to put on an Elmo voice, and it's just <laughs> like it just no one else but Alison Brie could probably pull that off, to be honest. And she's genius. She does it alongside um, oh God. What is her name? I will remember. Um, Emily the Blunt. Other person, yeah, is the other person Emily Blunt is doing a Cookie Monster voice and they're having this serious conversation about getting married and having kids and um, having sexual intercourse all the while their young daughter is there and it just works really well. But Alison Brie is is just comedy genius at times. When um, when she was playing Liberty Bell, it reminded me of um, Annie. Yeah. From uh, from Community because that's what yeah. she was. She was the innocent naive all-american girl and I, I i to me it was like she just slipped straight back into being annie and that was that was great for me because that's one of my favorite tv shows i've got so I haven't much watched it for so long yeah i, I, I did a rewatch of it last year i managed to find a site that that was streaming them and it was just a blast well, some great people in that do you know what i mean it's, it's such it's, such a good cast especially feels like everyone's either been in that or parks and rec or or they've been in um the office the u.s office yeah. all the kind of people that have kicked on to do you know that kind of career um it's some really interesting people involved in it so yeah i i, I i'm pleased for Alison Brie. whatever she does and wherever she goes she's she's just such an interesting and likable actress yeah she and is she's the main reason you, you come back to the show to be honest because um, she's just perfect at times um even the first episode of the season when she, they are pitching um the launch of the live uh, vegas show when there's uh a space launch, the uh, Apollo mission or whichever mission. Oh, it's a challenger. A challenger. And it crashes live on air. And she's doing her whole Zoya, I hope the Americans crash and burn. And it actually happens. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they decide, are they going to put the show on? Are they not? And they'll have a two-minute silence. And they just don't know how to be serious at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, But they all deeply care about what's going on. So it's it's it just does that kind of slightly cringe slightly on that edge humor that that really connects but the standout of probably the whole thing which we we kind of hinted around was this nevada scene where they all get a weekend off and they go out to you know trek and just you know camp in the, the outdoors and cook and do all that kind of stuff and there's a very strong debate after that when it swaps roles do you know what i mean uh, yeah it's, and, it, it's the, the it's the real fallout the isn't fallout, it? Melrose. Yeah being fortune cookie and she's trying to explain it reminded me 
weirdly of a South Park episode where Cartman... Most things always remind you of that, like all of us of the South Park yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, Cartman and, and Token have a big fallout and the whole point is, without getting into it, Token is waiting for Cartman to say, I don't... Un-. Sorry, no, it's, um, it's Stan. I think he's having the argument with and he's waiting for him to say i don't understand what it's like for you to be you know differentiated because of of your color and that's basically what um oh jenny yeah that's right. what that's what jenny wants melrose to say i don't know what it's like for you and the, the thing that makes this such a good scene is knowing that this is actually the true story of Alan Wong's family. Alan Wong's family did escape from the killing fields under the Khmer Rouge from Cambodia. Yeah. So she, I read a couple of articles about it, and she's very, very proud that she was able to stand there and tell the story of how her parents escaped one of the most brutal regimes in, in human history and yeah. were able to create a family life in America. And then, of course, you've got Jackie Tone, who I think is Jewish, is given a similar account of all the, you know, the, the exactly. hardship that, that Jews have had through history. And that, that whole yeah. scene was, I, I texted and, you and about it, felt, it didn't I, and said yeah, just, wow. It just felt, it felt honest, you know, and, and for a show that is essentially a comedy, do you know what I mean? Like, bottom line, um, like I said, it does have some kind of deep, heavy hitting moments and they're the bits that really kind of draw you in do you know what I mean and they're the bits you wanted more of because the comedy is not superficial but it without the kind of deeper undercurrent I don't think the show would hit hard like it does at times do you know what I mean yeah. I don't think you care enough about the characters um, but because it's such a funny show it makes these moments really count doesn't it because it's so unexpected you don't expect Jenny to sit there yeah. And burst into tears and start telling this story. And then as it pans around the 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 circle, everyone is just sat there on the edge of their seats. Everyone's well, jaws are on the floor. For like a, a kind of massive And they have this huge the group hug and you can you can see the the catharsis that she's getting of finally being able to tell the story because she's a Cambodian yeah. refugee, basically. Yeah. But she's playing a character who's this really horrible racist amalgamation of Vietnamese, Chinese, Japanese, all Asian cultures all stuck together because at the time nobody really cared. No one differentiated. You know? no, no, you're one, right. no one cares. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's the sad thing. I mean, not to go deep with it, but I mean, it's such a, you know, something like this show could get more understanding about the racial complications in, in north america and this was in the 80s then what's going on now well it, it, like it plays it's... on that doesn't it it plays on a lot yeah, of racial obviously. things it, it plays on the sexism they they have that that really harrowing moment when they come out of the the aids fundraiser and you see yeah. all the the horrible graffiti that's been daubed on the um, on the club that they're in and again it's that was the 80s this is what happened and Again, those moments that they've been having a great laugh, they've been singing and dancing in cabaret, and then five minutes later, there's been a hate crime committed against them. And again, it's a sad state of the world because it's because it's such a funny show. Those moments make you go, "Oh God!" And it's like it's uncomfortable to watch, but it's uncomfortable in the way you want it to be because you want programs. It's like I always say about Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's a hilarious show that every now and then 
just punches you right in the heart and says, "Yeah, this I, I is a thing." No, nine doesn't do it quite as much. Uh, the same regularity because obviously it's uh, it's longer episodes, more episodes. It's a different kind of style of show, but it when it does, like you said, it really makes it count. And I think, yeah. and I think that's that's what comedy has become. It's it's not necessarily just pure about fart jokes anymore. Do you know? It's it's not just about the straight laughs. It's about more than that. And I think that's why writers have had to become better at what they do. Do you know? What I mean, comedy writers are delivering better drama than some dramatic writers at the times. You know what I mean? And then the kind of comedic undercurrent of things is important to the story and then and what you're watching and keeping you entertained. But actually, that's not what maybe keeps you around. That's not what you know keeps you coming back to it. So yeah, that that's what drags you in in the first place. But that's not what keeps you coming back for three, four, five seasons. No, exactly. And and that's the thing. We we reviewed the boys obviously um, a couple of episodes ago, and and that was a highly comedic kind of poking fun at superheroes and some really kind of outlandish scenes like the baby with the lasers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then it the does dolphin. have some quite heavy hitting moments in there. Do you know what I mean? Like it does genuinely have some heavy hitting dramatic moments that make you gasp and make you fucking wince and make you kind of, you know, feel uncomfortable. And yeah, that, I think that's what TV is kind of as aimed towards, but it's, it, you know, you're getting better writers, you're getting better, platforms to deliver these kind of shows you're getting better production values and i'd say it's probably a, a golden era of tv for for this type of television anyway this kind of dramatic tv because you can't just do basic comedy anymore it's, it's like no a bit of a watch. new sort of genre it's like dramatic comedy isn't it like dramcoms yeah and it, yeah because it's not it's not black comedy that's a very different thing do you know what i mean it's not that style of film that that is it's very dark humor. It's not that. It's 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 a it's a kind of it's not a dramedy because that's something in itself. But it is something new. You're right, and I think Orange Is a New Black does it well. Maybe not. That's more straight drama, but it certainly had comedic elements to it. Oh, definitely. I mean? so, but that's also got some real black moments to it, like dark as hell. Yeah, especially it does. like there's a couple of episodes every season, and especially this last season, which I I've loved. It's been possibly my second favorite season this last one yeah i i'm still having to get through the one before i think what orange is the new black does it goes up and down quite a lot so very very inconsistent it, you could probably four. take two seasons out of the seven season three is one of the worst seasons of any television show i've ever seen i must admit yeah. really I, I reckon it. with some clever editing you could have condensed seven down to four yeah. or five and it would have just yeah. been an absolute smash i did hit. like five a lot which was just the riot sequence throughout the whole of the season i thought that was really well done actually yeah. personally um well it, if I, and when I you catch up we'll we'll definitely no, go retrospective about that because yeah I, I would it. like to do it i've just finished i mean we, we've moved on a little bit from glow but like we both said we really enjoyed it i think i'm happy to leave it there like with you because i think they would run out of ideas yeah i can't see where they would go now i don't want to see and there was a lot less wrestling in this season do you notice yeah. that? It, it was certainly not it was about... any. It was all and backstage. I did, and, and I kind of wanted the, the wrestling a bit more again. Do you know what I mean? Like that episode where they're doing the Christmas Carol was great because you had the one proper wrestling match um, in and amongst all the other stuff. Um, and I did miss the wrestling, actually, personally, because I think we needed that element of the show as well. But either way, I think it was a really good 
you know, three series and you're done and leave it there. I think they've left it a little bit open ended, but do we really care what happens with Bash? Do you know what I mean? Do we really care what? Honestly, no. I I think it's good when when a show wraps up some of the things but leaves a lot of it open to your interpretation. Put it this way, if there was a, a press release tomorrow or a tweet, yeah. Glow hasn't been renewed, I wouldn't be that bothered, but I love no. the show. I just think they've left it at a point where you can go... I'd watch another okay. season, but if you're dragging it on anymore, then it becomes a problem. You know, so we, we say all the time, don't we? If you're not going to go out on a high, like, say, Daredevil Season 3, at least don't go out with a whimper. Don't go out yeah. with a really diluted last season that makes people go I love that show but the last season sucked. Yeah you've got to make sure you've got enough fresh ideas going into it that you're going to keep adding to it. Do you know what I mean? You're either going to go in a different direction or you're going to change it. You know we've talked about it with a lot of the shows that just go on and on and on and again from an outside point of view you know, we're both told to watch Sopranos and The Wire and everything else and I have every attention to it at some point, probably when I retire, but I haven't got any time to sit down and watch five, six, seven seasons of something that I've not started yet. Do you yeah. know? I just don't have it because there's too much original content that's too good. Um, and on that note, what have you been watching? We'll do some recommendations and we'll leave it there. Um, I watched, over the space of about a week, I watched the first two seasons of Future Man on Hulu. Which oh, is, is really that good? Fun. It's yeah, really okay. Good. I do need to go and watch it. The first point. season's brilliant. The second season starts off a bit slow, but then it does build up. Our friend Sir Hefty of Horse was was telling me to stick with it. Good. Um, Michelle and I finished Orange is the New Black. Um, we are halfway through Big Bang Theory because she finally <laughs> said she wanted to watch it. And then we're getting ready to start Mind Hunter. Oh, and I've started yeah. watching Marvel's Runaways. Which oh, yeah, is you said. really, really good because I they're doing a cloak and dagger crossover. They're really producing that at a fast rate. Are they on season three already? It feels like it's coming. Uh, really season, they've show. got the first two seasons, and season three is on the way, I think, yeah. end of this year, starting next year. So I'm only when watching things it. calm down for me, yeah, because of the cloak and dagger crossover. Because of the cloak and dagger thing, yeah. and I just want to be able to follow what's happening. That's I think it. cloak and dagger and runways I'll probably get to. I've left the CW universe behind. I just because you, when you lose track, you, you kind of lost it. Do you it's know I mean? very, very hard, hard to catch up. Yeah, it is, especially um, with the pace that they're moving at. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I can't not recommend. If you haven't seen it, please go and see it. And it's a long film. But it's really worth the reward. I think it's probably some of the best work of Brad Pitt and DiCaprio. And it's top three in my Tarantino's of all time, mm. which, which is saying something. It's very, very different. Um, it fits really well in with Mindhunter. I'm just going to put that out there because okay. um, it's about the Manton family and yeah. what went on. It's not all about that. It's a, it's a less about that than people would think it would be about that. Um, it, but it's about that time period and you know, a couple of fictional characters in Leonardo DiCaprio's kind of actor of that era, and Brad Pitt, who plays his stunt double, um, but it's so, so good. It's like Pete Tarantino, and it's self-indulgent, yes, but it's not. It's it, Tarantino's always been craving to make a film around that era of music, you know, genuine kind of era of music, because all that era of music is put into with other films anyway. Um and he just feels really at home in that era, and it's it's just brilliant. Um, I I can't recommend it enough. It's my film of the year, I would say, um, which is saying something to put it ahead of Endgame. But 
very close. Um, Mindhunter, I've not got to. I've just finished Euphoria um, last night. Jesus Christ, man, that show is exceptional. Yeah. It's not really caught on in the UK yet, I don't think. Um, it's not got the buzz or, or anything like that that I thought it would have. I think it will when it hits Sky. It's on Sky now, oh, and they it? dropped them all at once, so they are all on on to watch. But I don't think people have quite cottoned on yet. I think we need to start an online revolution. Um, obviously, it's huge in the states. It's HBO. It's a massive series. I think we we might come around to review it at some point because I think it's quite revolutionary, quite pioneering. And when we talk about these shows that we keep talking about, this to me is almost head and shoulders above the other stuff we've been watching, only because it's so bold do you know what i mean yeah. it's so bold and graphic like the boys was at times but but it feels more real actually obviously it's a different subject matter but um really heavy hitting and zendaya is just amazing if you didn't get the hype before i think this is the show that will really do it for you, do you know yeah what I mean? because she's just incredible and everyone in it is actually let's put it that way um the kid who plays the kind of really villain-esque looking guy looks like he's got a jaw for batman but i think he's probably a few years too early because robert yeah. pattinson's taken his but you know what i mean he's really got that look um but anyway mainly been watching that not much gaming lately i went back to red dead redemption 2 which is still excellent um i must admit um but yeah haven't had much time to to play much else lately but you know it's been good and i'm keeping watching these new tv shows as they come because TV right now is the king, I would say, over film. It is just crushing it at the minute. So, yeah, keep it coming. Yeah, definitely. Um, as always, if you have any comments about this, if you let us know your thoughts about Glow, um, just please reply to us on Twitter. Um, rate, subscribe, and all the rest of it on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else that we're hosted. There's a list on the, uh, the Twitter yeah. account. Um, and when we're back next, we hopefully will have had our rebranding done. Yeah, hopefully we will can, be as famous last nerds. Yeah, and you can spread us to your heart's content and hopefully get some more listeners coming our way. And also keep this interaction coming. You know, we, we still do get some really good questions, some good feedback on, on Twitter mostly. Um, and, you know, keep the kind of interaction coming and suggestions because it's good sometimes you know we haven't really covered music we haven't really covered all the topics maybe one two but we're going to make sure we keep releasing on a weekly basis and you're going to keep getting this kind of content so yeah yeah we'll catch you next time thanks for listening